1: You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven
2: podcast with L.D., Will the Thrill, and T.J. Two.
3: Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I'm your host, L.D., along with me for the ride this week is Will the Thrill. And a good day to you. And TJ two the deuce. There it is. That was very very quiet.
4: Mm. Did it get stuck? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of did. It was had a little trouble getting my finger under the tab. Well, what is the choice for today? A uh, very simple uh, Highland Pilsner today. Oh, that's a, that's a local one, no? Yes, yeah, it is uh, from uh, s- semi-local uh, Asheville, North Carolina ish.
3: Okay, we went there, didn't we? For uh, the Christmas, we story.
4: we went to Sierra Nevadas. No, I for think. the Highland is up in, in near the same area.
3: No, for the play that we no, saw. No, Black Rock. was Black Rock. That was, Black Rock? was Black Rock. Okay. Yeah, you, yeah. you said
5: Sierra Nevada, or I called it the happiest place on earth. That was like. Yes, yeah, the happiest, it's
4: the
3: happiest place on the on the planet. <laughs> well, what was um? Oh my gosh, what well, what happened last night in Myrtle Beach? Because I saw it was trending on Twitter.
4: Well, um, what happened was that uh, the coastal Carolina. Chanticleers uh, defeated Brigham Young in a big football game. Um, it, for those who aren't familiar, Coastal Carolina for a long time was, was a branch of the University of South Carolina. They broke out of the system to just become their own school, started football about 15 or so years ago, only joined the FCS level in I think the last four or five years. They're undefeated. They were supposed to play somebody last uh, yesterday, And the game had already been chosen for college game day on ESPN to to come and do the show live from there. Well, the other team was Liberty, who they were supposed to play. Liberty comes down with COVID. A bunch of players end up quarantined. They can't come. So on two days' notice, uh, to their credit, also unbeaten, Brigham Young agrees to come to Conway, South Carolina to, to play Coastal Carolina in a game that was billed as Mormons versus Mullets.
3: Yeah, I saw the picture. Nice. It was incredible. And and um Coastal
4: Carolina wins. Uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the the tail end of it or not, but tackled uh, you know, they were up 5, tackled BYU inside their own 2-yard line as time expired on what would have been a game-winning touchdown and if Horry County South Carolina is still intact and not completely on fire, I'm shocked. <laughs> I can't imagine the I cannot imagine <laughs> I, I imagine everyone there had a very large time last night.
3: Uh yeah, well one of my my personal favorite tweets that I had found was uh Fleetswood Phil. This comes from Fleetswood Phil on Twitter and it said coronavirus along with mono, the Spanish flu, whooping cough, cholera, whatever happened in bird box and the clap looking at Greater Conway Myrtle Beach area tonight. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a guy like peeking out from the tree. <laughs> Is it, isn't, could, my isn't Myrtle things.
5: Beach sort of the definition of herd immunity for most of <laughs> I
4: would think so. Yeah, you could probably throw in like rubella, and I don't know any basically anything that one can imagine. Yes, it would be a
6: fever, yeah.
4: right. I saw uh, you know, the croup, <laughs> um, whatever, um, light come? bugs, just everything one could imagine, probably. Um, but I saw where somebody said. I guess there were a lot of people noticing the crowd size last night on Twitter and saying like, gee, that doesn't look safe. You know, there's, I thought they were supposed to be distanced in the sand, the stands and stuff. And somebody said, yeah, I, I, we appreciate here in South Carolina, everybody's concern, but we just, just trust us when we tell you, there's nothing that those people right now can do to Myrtle Beach that Myrtle Beach hasn't been doing to itself for yeah. a couple of hundred years. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine.
3: Here's the thing. I lived in the dirty Myrtle. <laughs> the dirty Myrtle? I lived in the dirty Myrtle. And I will tell you, I'm fine. <laughs> there is there is literally, I have been in a hot tub in Myrtle Beach. I'll be OK, kids. Yes. So, uh, of course, this week, we did have our fair share of losses. Um, we sadly lost uh, a great wrestler. Yeah, Pat, Pat Patterson, Canadian wrestler. Yeah. Passed away. We, we lost David Lander, the actor who played Squeaky on Laverne and Shirley, who I, I remember growing up with that show. Me too. Myself and because mom loved that. And she remember she used to buy me the shirts with the L's on it because she thought it was so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: With the I, I have yeah. to be honest. Oh. I, I If you had just told me, you know, his actual name, what was it? I Obviously, don't, I don't even remember it.
3: David Lander.
4: If you told me that David Lander died, I would have said, okay, who was yeah. that? But, but it, the minute you said to me, hey, Squiggy passed away, I was like,
5: no. Yeah. yeah. Same reaction.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Someone I mean, I just, I, I, I'm trying to remember. Head.
4: Did he did he do a lot of other stuff? Because I don't remember him in many other things. You had said that he
3: had. I... Uh, yeah. I mean, well, he was in uh, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, Doctor Doolittle Two Christmas with the Cranks, Scary Movie, Titan AE. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, Arless, Mad About You, Man, a Bug's I Remember Arless?
4: Wow yeah, yeah.
3: I know, johnny time. bravo the weird owl show he was on the weird owl show nash bridges like you're getting into you know stuff where like the tick dream on uh we're getting into stuff that only people of a certain age would remember
4: <laughs> wait but, a minute he was in orlis and dream on yeah wow the hbo one two punch right there for the night. Yeah. yeah
3: yeah wow and uh and then sadly we we lost a, a member of the comedy community um his name was kenny ortega who was a comedian from new york um, i found that out through a game that I play called hq trivial I, you guys might play it but um but yeah he passed away so three very sad losses if we're missing anybody guys if we're sorry like 2020 has just been like the rolling dumpster fire filled with furbies that, that's so that that's a
4: really interesting analogy that you guys <clears throat> hear
5: the, the sounds of the furbies too as this yeah. <laughs> rolling down the street on fire yeah, on fire yeah Whee!
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: that was yeah that was a little weird it's like a mule wagon full of teddy ruxmans rolling toward a <laughs> volcano
5: oh teddy ruxman wow Oh, uh, talk about I, you I like so me cool. to read you a story I know but the batteries aren't in bum bum Bum. Yeah. Uh,
3: all right, well, let's uh, get to our subject today. Because
5: <laughs> we have to
3: eventually. Well, because we've just we've just given all our listeners like the, the most nightmare fuel possible. Like. Yeah, and good night, everyone. Sleep well. <laughs> Dream on, kids. So um, as an intro to today's episode, I kind of want to say this. As my job as a casting producer, you have this kind of motherly instinct with anyone that you find. You grow accustomed to talking to these folks, especially, you know, you want them to, to know how special they are and how important they are. Because they truly are. They have a gift or a talent that is the reason why you reached out to them and you found them. And today's subject is very rooted in reality show. And she's very rooted in the YouTube community. And when you find these guys, you do feel kind of like a mom to them. So I have, I have this artist. His name is Uche.
6: <laughs>
3: and I found him for American Idol. And he made the top 10 a couple of years back. And I'm still in touch with him. I still make sure he has a, you know, he's having a good Thanksgiving, a good Christmas. You, you check in on these guys. Uh, a lot of them are still my friends on Facebook or we talk on Instagram, things like that. So it's really hard when you hear that someone in the reality community has passed away. And we felt that sting again on the show that uh, I you know, normally work for, American Idol. We lost a uh, season one contestant, Nikki McKibben, at the age of 42 to a brain aneurysm. And it's Oof. it's so incredibly sad because she was a mom. And, you know, but also you have to think, like, American Idol started 20 years ago.
5: That is insane. It's, it's like 20, 2019,
3: 20, 20 years ago. It was 2001. Yeah. So I can't do math, but, you know, it's hard. And so today we're going to talk about one of the hardest losses that... The reality show community had and that is the death of Christina Grimmy. and Christina Grimmy was born Christina Victoria Grimmy to Tina and Albert Grimmy in the Marlton section of Evesham Township New Jersey on March the 2nd 1994. She's one of my people. Yeah and not only that but she's I think one of the youngest people we've talked about on this show. That's
4: I was going to say that the the 1994 date when you just said that that just kind of grabbed me hmm Yeah. That we're talking in the past tense about somebody who was born in 1994,
3: so. Yeah, I mean, I was a freshman in high school in 1994. hmm That was the year you graduated, wasn't it? Uh,
4: 93. I was I was a freshman in college.
3: Mm-hmm. She yeah. was She was born in 94. Yeah, born in 94. 94. Cheese and crackers. The winter of 1993 through 1994 in Southern New Jersey, maybe you remember this, um, Will, the Thrill, mm-hmm. it was super harsh.
5: Yeah, it was, it was. For us, it was somewhat enjoyable because we were getting snow days all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, we had blizzards and power outages. I I do remember that time period. I mean, as a kid, you have a different perspective, you know?
4: Does it it have to be like next level horrible to get a snow day up there?
5: It depends. A lot of it has to do actually with the conditions of the road. So you can actually get very little snow, but it can freeze and cause a snow day because of the ice. So it really depends. But sometimes in, in this case, snow was just, you know, 18 inches high. And they were like, nope, schools are closed.
3: Yeah, and they used to have a snow phone. Like, yeah, you would... <laughs> they're like, we didn't have this in South Carolina because if there was one flake of snow somewhere in the the, the township of Chester, the school was closed and you were out of bread and milk immediately. Yeah, so yes. what happened is you would, you would call this line, which
5: was like the local area cor- code, I think it's 844 and then snow, and they would basically tell you on a recorded line whether the schools were still open. It, it's funny because a lot of the young ladies in this area would often give out the snow phone as their phone number to um, unwanted advances. <laughs> ju- just know that if you get a, uh, a lady's phone number in a bar and get, thank you for calling the flow area snow phone. She's probably from my hometown. So just think of that. That is awesome.
4: That's yeah. funny. We, we would have to huddle around a radio and listen to WGCD and see if they have announced that we were, that, that school was going to be out. They ended up having to, um, the TV stations and radio stations having to establish some kind of a code word for uh, school districts because, like, somebody like LD would just call the TV station and say, Hi, I'm calling from the Chester
3: School District and uh, no school tomorrow.
4: And, announce it on, and they would announce it on
3: television. Wait, did I actually do that?
4: I don't think you did that. I was using you as an example, but you may well have. <laughs> That sounds it was like- not un- uncommon for either of us to make mischief on the telephone. Yeah, <laughs> back in those days.
3: That is true. So, so just to get an idea of uh, what was going on in New Jersey at the time, it was cold and snowing, and there had been some like little ice storms and snowstorms. And as March approached, there were people running with anticipation for the arrival of spring, the Grimmies, and this is this is going to come up constantly. They're devout Christians and they were making preparations not only for spring, but the birth of their child. And on Sunday, March the 12th, 1994, the lives of the Grimmies changed forever. They were blessed with the birth of their second child, a daughter who they named Christina Victoria Grimmie. Their first child was a son that they had named Marcus Albert and they had been that he had been born a little bit more than 15 months earlier on December the 7th, 1992. Almost from birth, her and her brother were inseparable. At a very young age, she would attentively watch him play video games. And then while he wasn't around, she'd secretly try to learn to play the games herself. <laughs> and then Marcus discovered that she was trying to do this and she pleaded with him to teach her. And then rather than discourage her, he decided to teach her. And he was amazed at how quickly she was able to master the game once you taught her how to play. So she was like a born gamer. <laughs> She was particularly fond of the Zelda games. Now, yep. now, Will the Thrill is going to weigh in on something here because um, I am a passive gamer. I, I have the kind of games I like to play, which is usually anything that was on the Super Nintendo. One of my favorite games was Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which apparently you can't really win, which just I, did, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, but T... Remember when you and me were growing up, I would watch you play Pitfall for hours.
4: Yes, uh, yeah, but I want everybody to think about that. Pitfall. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Atari,
4: right? Which, which was, yeah, the old Atari 2600. Uh, yeah, a Pitfall you just played, it, there was actually a time limit on it. Yeah. So it was like 20 minutes. But we remember, we would play like Journey Escape, which was based on the band Journey. <laughs> um, Bizer- Berserk. Uh, oh, frogs oh, and yeah. flies,
3: centipede
4: joust, and they literally had no end.
3: Yeah, they did not have any end because it was what pitfall Harry. Yeah, pitfall thing? Harry. Yeah, now, I
4: had friends who had Nintendo, so I did. I did play Zelda, and I never got to the end of the thing.
3: Mm.
5: That that is also one that does not end. It actually goes into a second quest, which is a repeat of the first. Just they move stuff around, and then allegedly. From there, it would sort of repeat, but move things around in the <clears> map. <mountain. throat> so it was supposedly never ending, but
4: okay. So can I? This this is totally unrelated to everything, but I'm, I, this is since you've brought it up. It occurred to me about a year or two ago. I had never beaten Mike Tyson <laughs> in Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I'd gotten to him and never beat him. So I found it online and I played that game over and over and over until I beat Mike Tyson.
3: Well done, very nice. It's
4: hard to do. It's very it's very hard to do
3: she totally into zelda she loved him she'd play zelda all the time now when it would come to games that required two or more players her favorite competitor was her brother <laughs> marcus would always be player number one and she would always be player number two when they were old enough to get tattoos cena actually has a player two tattooed on her arm and Marcus has on his right arm, player one. Because of Zelda's Ocarina of Time and the Shadow Temple at the bottom of the well (laughs) were two of the darker dungeons in the game, her parents actually ended up taking the games away from them because those particular areas of the games were giving them nightmares. So
5: I can back that up because I've played this, which is actually ranked by many publications as uh, the best game ever made is Zelda Ocarina of Time and this particular level has this shadow boss which is is truly terrifying and that's someone because again i played this at this time so i was in my late teens Mm -hmm. and it scared me it was this kind of wraith-like boss with red eyes but its hands were disconnected from its body so they could just move around and kind of chase you it was really quite terrifying and yes the shadow temple was a very scary place but to this day, players still lament how difficult the water temple is. And if you ask anybody about the water temple in Ocarina Time, they'll go, ah, <laughs> it was the most frustrating dungeon.
3: Yeah, well, I, I only, I like play the fear-based games, but I like watching you play the fear-based games because mm-hmm. I'm too scared that I'm gonna fail at it. We'll never get to the end of it. Right. So. <laughs> now, her mother worked as a receptionist for a time, but she had given it up when it was discovered that in 1995, Tina actually had breast cancer. And it was the first of several bouts of breast cancer for her. And it was going to be an ongoing struggle for Tina throughout Christina's short life. Marcus was a little over two years old and Christina was only one when she was found to have cancer. So uh, basically from her birth, her mother was fighting breast cancer. A quote from Tina, how do you explain to such a young child that their mom has a sickness that could result in her death? Uh, Bud, which is Albert's nickname, And Tina tried their best to explain to their children that mommy was very sick and would need to spend time at the hospital now and again. They also told them that because mommy was very sick, that she might have to leave them and go to be with Jesus forever. This was very delicate and emotional subject to explain to such young children about the harsh realities of life. And in those times when Tina went into the hospital, Christina would beg her mother to leave the hospital and come home. And basically what would happen was Christina would be taken to the hospital to see her mother. And she would never let her go. She would snuggle up to her and just try to spend as much time with her as possible. Because with these things, it was really touch and go at this time, especially since like, you know, 1995 medicine isn't as good as what we have now, of course. So it was you know, possibly less of a success rate of survival. So no one ever knew, but Christina really made an effort to spend time with her mother and that made their relationship grow extremely close. So they had developed an inseparable bond with each other. Now, jumping forward in time, when she was eight, she Tina was found to be in stage four of her second bout with breast cancer. And, yeah. it, and it seemed a foregone conclusion that Tina's time on earth was limited. There wasn't much the doctors and nurses could do except for make her comfortable and ease her pain. But to everyone's amazement, the swelling in her body started going away by itself. Against overwhelming odds, Tina's cancer went into remission. miraculous healing was part of the reasons why the grimmies have such a deep faith in god and why they're such a close-knit family so you can see like you know her her cancer clearing up made their faith even stronger because they would spend hours praying and and reading the word of god and so they were very very religious i cannot understate this enough that, that her her belief and her strength in god was so incredibly strong uh, from a very early age, her parents realized that Christina had a very special gift for music. Marcus jokingly remarked that Christina probably started her singing career while she was still in the womb. Hmm. Her mother would also say that uh, the ba- as a baby, she would sing la 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 instead of talking. Whenever she would get a bath, her mom would be like, okay, baby, sing to Jesus. Because there's no child that actually enjoys getting a bath. No, no, it's true. <laughs> Christina loved to sing and she actually wrote songs even when she was young, she told an interviewer that she wrote her first song when she was five years old. And a lot of those songs are based on her faith in God. She was five? She was five and she was Ooh. writing songs. I mean, like, wow. I look at my life and I'm like, what have I accomplished? <laughs> this girl was writing songs when she was five I years five. old. That's ridiculous. I and mean, 3.97 million subscribers later. Uh, I have 77 on my Facebook or, or on my, my YouTube channel. Hey, you I start somewhere. 77 You gotta people. start somewhere.
4: Gosh, I've I've got, gosh, near 140.
3: Well, look at you, Mr. Ad Revenue. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Clickbait.
4: Oh yeah, that's handsome. Remuneration comes with 140 <laughs> YouTube subscribers.
3: When she was 10 years old, her parents decided to splurge and bought her an electric piano. It it was in excellent condition, even though it was used, and it was a decent price. They also provided her with piano lessons, but she she had difficulty learning how to read the notes. So she taught herself how to play the piano by ear, which is crazy to me. She played a variety of other musical instruments as well, including the guitar, but she didn't actually master the art of playing the guitar. So she did kind of what Doug did, and she just taught her brother how to play the guitar. Oh, Doug Hopkins, yeah. Yeah. So she pulled the Doug Hopkins, which was like, I can't play this. Why why don't I teach you how to play it? And she (laughs) did. So Marcus was amazed at what Christina showed him. And he was able to master the guitar. Uh, she would occasionally get her friends and sing a few songs while playing. And one of those gatherings would become important later uh, for who she would create a bond with. And just a cute little fun fact. it's It doesn't even... Fun fact! Yeah, okay, well, you gave it to me anyway. She named her piano Lucas. No reason given. She just named her piano Lucas. Honey, what's the name of my car? Derek Davenport.
5: Yeah. But there's there's logic behind that. Lucas is sort of now a rosebud, right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure someone knows what it is. Yes,
5: please chat us. Hit us up on our socials. Let us know if you. Why know the did of, she
3: name him Lucas? Of Lucas. Uh, Christina and her other friends from her childhood, Lauren Longo, met in fourth grade, and uh, Lauren is going to be a major, major force in her life. They met in fourth grade, and she also had a friend, Sarah. And oh my goodness, I'm going to destroy this last name, Lou Beckman. Lou Luke-, Luke-, Luke. So. These three girls bonded over all sort of things, uh, stuffed animals and miniatures. I'm assuming I'm assuming that the stuffed animals are probably Beanie Babies. The I'm guessing, 90s. yeah, because it's like the mid '90s. So, which and she's ten, and they would get together and they would sing. And they actually had a, and I'm using bunny ears girl group that they called the Godly Girls. They also acted out scenes from their favorite TV shows during recess, and they would get together at each other's homes. Lauren and Sarah would often spend part or all their weekends with Christina. And on the weekends that Christina and her friends would put together they, they, these little parties, they would watch SpongeBob. Holy crap, SpongeBob! Show's I, been on forever. Show's been on forever. Jeez, and the TV show Psych, which is really funny. Uh, They challenge each other at video games, and naturally, she would challenge her friends to Zelda and usually beat them. And they would take turns using the karaoke machine in the basement, and they would sing silly songs that they made up, as well as popular songs. And as they would grow older, they would also work together to produce videos for Sarah and Lauren's YouTube channels. We will get to YouTube in a minute.
5: It's going to be a big part of this, isn't
3: it? Yes, it is. While they were still in elementary school, Christina and Lauren would invent their own language and it was based on baby talk and they would approach babies at the mall and churches and other public places and they would strike up conversations with the babies using their invented language. Basically, all this information, is just to tell you like, she was a kid. She was a was kid. It,
4: was it Esperanto? <laughs> or perhaps a language that twins teach to one another?
3: Oh, that's so, there's a creepy story about that. There's
5: many creepy stories about that.
3: Esperanto, well done. Good
4: reach there. Esperanto. It's kind of like English and Spanish. That's
3: Spanglish, isn't it?
5: No,
4: that's something
3: else. Is it? Uh, Gerardo. Spanglish. Gerardo. Wow. Remember him? Uh, Surprisingly, the first time she ever sang in public was when she was 12 years old. And it was at church. And she remembers getting some of the lyrics wrong. But thanks to the fact that she was singing with the choir... No one actually seemed to notice, but she also remembers how nervous she was before and during the performance. It was something that she recognized that she would have to overcome if she were going to make singing a career for herself. Which, I mean, could you imagine like realizing that at 12, like, oh, I got to get over this. If I'm going to do this, I got I to gotta nut up or shut up.
5: But I did you even knew what this was Is some something Right. Yeah. yeah,
3: so this is the part of the story that uh, I think all of us kind of get because as she matured, she realized that there were some darker things that she would have to deal with in life. The fact is, she was bullied. She was really modest, and she would change her gym clothes in the restroom and rather than the locker room. And because of this, word got around, and she was often ridiculed and mocked by her classmates.
5: Isn't that Crash Tummy song? Girl Who Wouldn't Change with the girls, girls in, in the, the change, change room. room?
3: Yes. Yeah. And some people made fun of the way she dressed because... She was kind of like me. I would rather wear you know, baseball shorts and a t-shirt and jeans. And I don't really care what people think about my sense of style. There's one person on the planet that does care about my sense of style. And that's my mother. (laughs) So, but it's not me. But she, she was a kid. She was more concerned with being comfortable than she was with being a fashionista. You know, she dressed a lot like her dad in that regard. She was very much like her father when it came to fashion. Like she just wasn't into it. And people made fun of her for it, and that sucks because people are jerks. Children are tiny, tiny jerks. These are teenagers, so they're even worse.
4: Yeah, that's a what? What? That's so deep. You know, if you really think about it, children are just tiny jerks. They have no
3: sense of irony. <laughs> They've never traveled. They've traveled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. As she grew older, she became aware of how other girls dressed and how they used makeup and, you know, how they were, they were trying to be a little bit more mature. And her mother loved to help Christina go shopping for new clothes or give her tips on how to apply makeup properly. But Christina was also aware that because of her mother's ongoing bout with cancer, they really didn't have a lot of money. Like they didn't have a lot of, you know, expendable income. And so she couldn't go on these like lavish shopping sprees or get super, I mean, Will understands the cost of makeup now, right? I have a better perception thanks to you, yes. Yeah, and you can get like makeup dupes and stuff, but like some of this stuff costs like $75, $80. Like there's a a lotion out there that's 60 bucks. So you just can't splurge on that stuff. So that would leave them with very little bit of money because of what her mom was going through. Her brother actually caught on to the fact that she was being bullied. And her brother gave her some really good advice about not letting it get to her. He said, just be yourself. You're the only one of you. And that made a lasting impression on her. Christina had posted on her social media, people aren't born strong. People grow stronger little by little, encountering different situations, learning not to run from them. In writing her songs, she would often write about things that were actually happening in her life and the lives of her fans, including being bullied. In her song, Everybody Lies, which is on her posthumous album, All Is Vanity, she closes the song with the following words of encouragement for her listeners and fans. You are an extremely unique and individual person, and I'm telling you, don't let those invalid opinions of others just bring you to the pits, okay? You are strong, so own it. Love me. She had also spoken the same words in a video chat that she had posted on her social media account, and they were based largely in part on the loving words and advice that Marcus used to encourage her during her childhood years. So that was a little bit in the future. Now, Christina's friend, Lauren Longo, was the one who introduced Christina to YouTube in early 2009. Now think about that. I think YouTube started in 2008, which would make her one of like the early YouTubers. Mm -hmm. And Lauren attempted repeatedly to convince Christina to start her own channel. Lauren showed her several videos of people singing and playing musical instruments and telling Christina that she sang so much better than they did.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: So Christina resisted Lauren at first and then finally kind of just gave in because she was done being badgered by her friend, which she would you know, lovingly say, I was badgered by my friend. It was cute. So she finally posted a video just to get Lauren to stop. <laughs> She she was unsure what direction she wanted her channel to take, and so she held off on a couple months trying to figure out what to do with the channel. And that's that's what you have to do when you're choosing what to do with the YouTube channel: is it going to be like music based? Is it going to be a vlog? Is it going to be actually like produced videos and and things like? You got to know where you, what direction you want to take your channel in. Or if you're Joe Sanagato, just
5: yeah, erase <laughs> <laughs> jo- Sa- a whiteboard with a ukulele.
3: Yeah, Joe Sanagato is brilliant. I love Joe. If you guys don't know who Joe Sanagato is, I can't, he's like the Matrix. I can't, (laughs) I can't tell you what Joe Sanagato is. You just have to be shown it yourself. So go out and look for Joe Sanagato because he's brilliant. So initially she actually thought that she was going to do gaming. She was going to focus on gaming on her channel because of how much she loved Zelda and other games. And so she- her handle on YouTube is actually Zelda love 64 Pretty on the nose, yeah. Which is, yeah. That was back when you could actually pick what name you wanted and not be like, I love cottage cheese 168429.
4: That's already taken, sorry.
3: Yeah, exactly. Ah, why? Uh, we have to take a short break for our ad sponsors and we will be right back. And we're back, jumping back into Christina's story. So she finally posted her first music video on YouTube on July 17th, 2009, playing her piano and singing a cover of the Miley Cyrus song, Don't Want to Be Torn, from the show Hannah Montana. Now I'm going to share this song with you right now. The quality is not that great because it's a YouTube clip from 2009, which all YouTube clips from 2009 kind of look like it's shot on a potato. And it sounds like it was recorded on a rutabaga. So (laughs) I'm going to play it. But I just wanted to show you guys her first, like her first experience on YouTube out the gate.
4: Now, now if the lighting's right. You can get a good video on a tater. <laughs> <laughs> taters. <laughs> taters,
6: taters, that is tater.
4: unacceptable.
3: <laughs> <that's not> <laughs> I'm sorry to the Rock and Roll Heaven family. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for nothing. (laughs) I
6: regret nothing. All
3: right. So I'm going to play you guys the genesis of her career. So here is I Don't Want to Be Torn by Hannah Montana, which, by the way, I hate to ruin the the mystique for you, but uh, Miley Cyrus is Hannah Montana. (gasps) What? Yeah. But she's only Hannah Montana when she's wearing the wig. (laughs) So here's I Don't Want to Be Torn. Hi, I'm going to be
0: singing I Don't Want to Be Torn by Hannah Montana, and I'm going to be playing on piano, and if some of the notes are wrong, you know, whatever. I'm playing it for like, I guess a week now. Hope you like it. We'll be right back.
6: back.
3: Just so you guys know, this song was an immediate hit on YouTube. As of today, that video has over 1.2 million views. It's got 20,000 likes and only 314 dislikes.
4: (laughs) What jerk face would give that a a dislike? Come on.
3: Uh, Cause trolls got a troll, man. Like also, I don't understand the point of the dislike button on YouTube. It just feels like that was put there just for jerks to be able to use it. It feels,
4: it, it, it feels like they should re- rename that the "I'm a dick" button. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like seriously. Okay, okay you can't just think just think to yourself like, eh, I didn't really care for that. Move on." No, 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 no. No, I've, I've got, got to, to make somebody feel terrible about themselves. Yeah. Also, she's 15 years old. Why she are you? 15. She. I was going to say we did the math as that song was playing. She's 15 at, at, at this time
3: and and incredible even at 15 you can see the power that she's gonna have Mm
4: -hmm.
3: like her voice is so unique and and cool and like rusty and i love it like she's got like a little bit of that grind in the back of her voice which i love when woman a woman has and she's 15 so to those 314 people you're awful
4: (laughs) you you are terrible but you're terrible human beings you know what you know what If you had a dislike button, I'd push it. (laughs) It It's bad, wrong, and awful. Bad, wrong, and awful. Bunch of jerk faces.
3: Yeah, so because of this, she started getting more messages and more emails asking her to post more songs. And at first, her mom really didn't want her to do this. In something that was kind of eerily prophetic, she was more concerned about some crazed fan trying to to track her down and possibly hurt her. Oh, yikes. Wow. But by contrast, her father thought it was a really good idea. He saw how many people were positively reacting to her videos and didn't want to stand in the way of her success and her potential career. Well, as you pointed
5: out also, YouTube is a fairly new platform at this point. I don't think people knew what to make of it quite yet.
3: Yeah, it was, it was something, I mean, like just like a year prior, I believe, there was a 14-second video It's like, we're at the zoo. And we behave like we're sitting in a movie theater and there's a train coming toward us for the first time. <laughs> oh, what is this? What is Holy this? crap.
4: <laughs> I want to, I actually, now I'm thinking about it. YouTube 07 or 08, because I, I, I distinctly remember in 2008, I believe it was, that they allowed people to upload questions to YouTube for presidential candidates to answer in a debate. Really, if, if if memory serves, yeah. So this would have been you know early mid '08, I guess. So leading uh, up, li- leading up to the 2008 election. I, if I, if I, and I may be misremembering that, but I'm, I'm almost sure I, I recall that.
3: Well, apparently they created the service in 2005. Okay. They bought the site in 2006. So. I mean, it's
4: it's, it's beside the point, really. But I just yeah, uh, I, I, that that just popped in my head because I remember somebody uploading one of like a an animated snowman. <laughs>
3: But yeah, I mean, you know, it's this is really kind of the dawn of YouTube. But it's
4: still ve- it's still very new. It's it's a, it's it's just kind of coming into the public consciousness and
3: Yeah, cuz it it takes time for stuff to take off like this. So her mom was kind of nervous at Christina becoming so popular and knowing that what she would have to do is if she wanted to become a, a singing sensation that they would eventually have to move to California. Or New York or Nashville to make her dream come true. And she, the reason why she was so worried about it was she's on her second or third bout of cancer, which it just, she keeps, you know, it p- keeps popping up and she keeps going into her mission. And it keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And moving to California would mean starting over and try, trying to find med- medical caregivers, doctors that she was comfortable with treatment centers that she could go to. But, and then, you know, being far away from all of her friends and her family and, and what would happen if her health took a turn for the worse. But she, she realized how popular Christina was becoming and she decided that her health issues were not going to stand in the way of her career. So they decided to take that leap of faith and move to California. Wow. Her first video that she had posted was the Miley Cyrus song. And then she posted another Miley Cyrus song, which was Party in the USA. And that video went viral and eventually achieved almost 13 million views. Wow. 13 million views. And posthumously, she still has 3.9 million subscribers. Wow. For something like her version of Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA going viral, I assume when you're 15 or 16, that's gotta be awesome. Probably. Yeah. So she kept posing videos and posing videos, and eventually she caught the eye of Brian Teefy. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Sorry. But because uh, he is the stepfather and the manager of Selena Gomez. And I'm I'm assuming even you know who Selena Gomez is, to you, right? Kinda? Yeah, she <laughs> has this, like, super Cherubian face. She's adorable. She's so cute. She's Disney, right? Yeah, she's, she's, a, a, she's a Disney or... Yeah, she's Disney. Disney, yeah.
4: Did she like date the Bieber kid or something?
3: Probably, yes. I think they did.
4: Okay, see. Okay, yeah, I do know who she is. Yeah, she's very, 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 very pretty it. little girl. Look,
3: look at me, look knowing stuff. Something about the last fifteen years of pop culture.
4: I mean, barely, but yeah. I'm
3: proud of you. I
4: vag- I vaguely recall seeing that somewhere.
3: Yeah. Well, her mother, Mandy, Selena Gomez's mother, Mandy, was equally impressed with Christina, and they actually made a couple attempts to contact her uh, to offer to manage her and her career. But the volumes of emails in Christina's inbox were so great that their attempts to contact her literally went unnoticed. That's how popular oh wow. she was like jeez like she was getting so many requests like oh do this song oh do this song or oh you're great or oh, da, 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 da. she had so many emails in her inbox that the email from Selena Gomez's father oh was not seen wow So so her her Selena Gomez's stepdad brian did something that i would do Mm -hmm. in casting because here's the thing if you go i'm going to give you guys a little bit of a a youtube tutorial if you go into the about section if you click on someone's name it pops up with their channel and they have like a bar on top which has like videos communities likes and that but there is an about button on there so if you click the about button it'll take you to a different page, which you in some cases, if they've chosen to put it out there, you can get the contact information for that artist. So that's how I'll find somebody on YouTube and I'll say, you know, oh, I really like this person. We contact that, that, that kid and try to get them to audition for whatever reality show I'm working on. And that's how we find a lot of people because they, give, they, they provide that about button. Now, that's how he tried to get in touch with her. But he did something that I would do. In one of her videos, she had included her brother, Marcus, in the video. And inside the video analytics, like in the about section for that video, she had posted his YouTube channel. So they actually contacted him.
4: And he had like three followers. And so he was a little, (laughs) right?
3: Yeah. So he stumbled across that email And he wasn't actually sure it was legitimate. But when he noticed that the actual account was from Selena, he came to the realization that, oh crap, this is real. (laughs) He text messaged his sister, who was in math class at the time, and she thought that he was pulling a prank on her. And then she slowly came to the realization, oh no, this is not a prank. (laughs) She had been discovered and her career was about to blossom and her life was about to change forever. Now... It should be said that Christina understood this time how much hard work went into creating a YouTube channel. And I can tell you this for a fact, because the thing is, you have to know what you want to produce. You have to know what you want to do. You have to know what direction you want to take your YouTube channel in. Then you have to get everything that you'll need to make your YouTube channel, which is a, a YouTube channel account, which is a bugger <laughs> to put together. Then you have to get a decent camera. You have to get your instrument if you're music. You have to do you, you have to get your lighting set up. You have to have your your stuff created. You have to do your makeup just right if you want to be you know perfect on camera. It takes a lot of work. Then you have to edit it. Then you have to update it. And then you have to get it into the system. And I I don't even remember when dial-up wasn't a thing anymore. So I'm just gonna just go with the fact that dial-up sucked. But to create a YouTube channel, it takes a lot of work and consistently putting out uh, content is really important because the YouTube algorithm will not suggest you if you're not putting out stuff two, three times a week.
4: There are, and there are people who, who post stuff almost daily.
3: Yes. And it's really interesting because there are people that we loved on YouTube that don't post as much and they won't get recommended and we forget that they exist. Yeah. Such as Joe Santagato.
4: Oh, he's great. But then you have people like uh, Jamal that post like two videos a day. <laughs> it seems like.
3: Yeah. You know, you because of that, people post content, just post, 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 post right. to that algorithm. She would work Okay, so, so she is a, a perfectionist. She would work days or weeks on a single song to get to the point where she was satisfied with the results, but it was worth it. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a little bit. But uh, in 2011, Grammy joined Selena Gomez and the scene as the opener on the We Own the Night tour and their friendship blossomed and Grammy took major inspiration from her musical friend. She's been great she said of gomez in a 2011 interview with mtv news i can't explain it she was in my place at one point but i've learned what i've learned from her is just keep going so she what so what what year is she touring with selena a 2011 and she's really looking up to selena because selena was in her spot years before and now and and, and
4: i was gonna say but also grammy is like 16 17 years old
3: yeah she's Yeah. yeah At this point, she releases the EP Find Me in 2011. And this is about three years before we get to what would some consider her like big break, which is The Voice, which is why I keep talking about reality shows. It debuted at number 35 on the Billboard 200 charts and contained the hit song Advice and Liar Liar. At the time of the LP's release, the singer had just moved to Los Angeles to further her music career. Grimmy attended Cherokee High and left that in 2010 to be homeschooled her and selena gomez actually appeared together in a 2011 connect ad which they challenged the scene to a game of virtual football mm-hmm. and the the, the stills from that is really cute because they're wearing their tennis whites nah. <laughs> and it's really cute and so christina started actually earning money from her youtube channel because if you guys don't know you can earn ad revenue from your youtube channel based on the algorithm of how many subscribers you have or how many ad clicks you have or how many likes it's like cutie pie i don't think has to ever work again probably not now even though the channel got canceled right oh yeah Yeah. oh everybody gets canceled at some point (laughs) every single person yeah i'm waiting to be canceled (laughs) that's really kind of the level of success that you want though right that people care enough to cancel you
4: yeah exactly
3: yeah yeah so she starts earning the money and setting up her account she had partners with various advertisers to generate this income the amount of revenue earned was based on the number of factors including how many subscribers you have like i was saying the number of viewers who click on watched ads and given the enormous amount of expense that her family had to deal with as a result of her mother's medical issues any kind of income for the family whether it was large or small relieved some of that stress that they were going through and she's, she felt a strong sense of obligation, of gratitude toward her parents for their support and was happy to help out in any way she could. It seems like she's just an awesome child.
4: Yeah, She's an awesome, awesome kid, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, just an awesome kid. I mean, she hasn't done anything that was problematic, nothing, like she's just an awesome kid, like super talented, perfectionist, driven kid, just like me, right, Travis?
4: uh yeah <laughs> nice nice y- y- yes yep
3: Good was there you. an
4: audible question mark at the end of yes
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay try a little harder try it one more time yes there, there it is okay. all right there go. yeah so there's a trend in the youtube community that if you want to expand your following like create a, a larger fan base for yourself what you need to do is collaborate you need to do collaborations with people that are bigger than you. And that's people like Mike Tompkins, Sam Cho, and one of my personal favorites, Tyler Ward and Alex Group. She found herself reaching out to some of them, but it turned out that others were actually trying to reach out to her. So she was gaining this following of people who wanted to work with her. And she wanted to work with other people. So collaborations were not a problem. Hmm. She loved this community that she she had cultivated through her videos.
4: And so this is this is interesting. So she's becoming a very early YouTube star.
3: Yeah, she is yeah. becoming an influencer.
4: Where based almost solely on what she was putting on her channel, there were people who wanted to work with her. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because she was so talented.
4: This was this is very it's almost like the whole dynamic of everything sort of changed when we started to get into the dawn of social media and YouTube, because you, you, you kind of brought the, you didn't have to go to go out and find a third party to sell you to an audience. You could build it yourself. And because I, I, this, this would never have happened before this to where it's like, well, you, well, she doesn't, you don't have a record contract and you're not on television and you're not on, it's like, well, yeah, but I've got a million subscribers on YouTube. So, you know, it's, it's a very do-it-yourself model, but this didn't exist much before this.
3: And I, I you know what? I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to get up on my soapbox. <laughs> Here's my soapbox. It is oh, an, dear. I, it's an Irish <laughs> spring box. Oh, dear. I hate it when people say the phrase, oh, yeah, but they're just on YouTube. I hate that. I hate it when people are like, oh, but they just do YouTube videos. Well, you know what? They're self-made. They work really hard at their craft and they found a platform that works for them well and
4: and, like, and the they, thing um, is is like you can't like like there's there are a couple that all of us like uh, that, that, that the three of us watch you can't watch no life shack and tell me that the dude's not talented yeah he's in he's he's incredibly funny and
3: mm-hmm. the thing is, is some people just want to create on youtube because they want to have control they want to They're
4: have cre- complete creative control. control right but you can't watch people like like him or 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 a lot of others and say well Oh, well, there's no talent there. Well, no, no, there is. It's yeah. incredibly fun. It, to, to, to put together something that's entertaining enough to draw a few million eyeballs is not easy.
3: Yeah, and the thing is, is like, okay, people look down on reality stars because they're like, oh, they're, they, they, they got their start on reality TV. Well, who cares? They got their start somewhere. Right. You know their name because of this.
5: And as you point out, Eldie, you know, setting up a YouTube channel takes a considerable amount of time and resources.
3: And, and yeah. you're putting your own money into that.
5: Yeah, and you're not getting anything back for it, potentially forever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. a lot of the YouTubers we watch say, you know, it was years before they got any sort of monetization. They weren't exactly able to quit the day job at that point.
3: Yeah. And I mean, you look at someone who, I mean, I know he's he's been canceled, but Shane Dawson, he was on this platform for years. And the thing is, he changed his format from doing skits to doing like the conspiracy stuff. And the, I think the conspiracy stuff is really where he like, picked up his audience so like knowing what your audience wants knowing what they're looking to you for is really important and you're taking all this on by yourself you're taking on this business model by yourself you're cultivating your fan base by yourself you're creating the content yourself you're putting yourself out there and you're not doing any kind of backing of a studio or a uh any kind of uh company that's backing and no and
4: public, no publicity or promotion other than what you generate
3: yourself correct exactly and and then people kind of spit on tiktokers but i'm like they're creating content they're doing these dances and there's create they're creating these like little videos out there
4: i, I, yeah. I tell you who re- i think i think i'll tell you who we all can all agree are, are talentless hacks as podcasters
3: oh yeah oh those people, those
4: just phoned people in, Yeah. god they suck we
3: literally phoned this show in <laughs>
4: <laughs> no we zoom
5: this show in
4: we zoom it actually
5: yeah, let's, let's be technical please
3: yeah There's a high high bar around here to clear. Yep. So so she loved this community, of course, because she cultivated it through her videos. But here's the thing. She was super modest, almost to a fault. And in one of her collaborations with Mike Tompkins, Mike expressed his gratitude for being able to work with the very talented Christina Grimmie. And her immediate response was to shift the focus back to Mike and point out to the viewers, all the types of the electrical equipment that he had and the skill it took to use that equipment. And then undeterred, Mike immediately turned the focus back on Christina mm-hmm. and her piano. And that exchange between the two of them was one of the examples of the many traits that she exhibited that would endear her to fans. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about like, look at me, I'm amazing. I, 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 I. it was like, hey guys, this dude's super talented listen to him look at what he can do and that's i think something that we're not used to is someone giving the attention over to somebody else i think it's always like that me culture you know um after being discovered by the t and it might be fees or t i'm so sorry mm-hmm. but christina her mother were invited to spend five weeks during the summer in california and it was an opportunity that many might have uh, that that they knew that it might never be able to happen again. It would be a great opportunity for her to be close to the people that she needed to meet and to kind of get ahead in her career. Many of her fellow artists as well as regular executives lived in California and her chances of being signed by a major record label or a studio would of course be you know much more pl- plausible. It was a big step to take and one that she actually devoted a lot of time and prayer to to make her decision. Now, it seems like I'm jumping back and forth in time, and I kind of am because we've already said that she moved to California, but it jumps back and forth because of what's happening with YouTube and what's happening with Selena Gomez and, and all this stuff, and so I know it's not my normal linear timeline, so sorry for that, but you know... Spoiler alert. She moves to California. Yeah. Now in the midst of all of this fame, she's actually trying to keep up with her education. She wants to learn. She is a, a reader. She's a learner. She, she really loves to be, you know, she loves her education with all the demands that were placed on her. It was actually really difficult, if not impossible to maintain an active participation with her formal education. So It was really hard for her to be able to attend classes all the time. So dropping out of high school to pursue a career wasn't something that she wanted to do, but she knew if she waited until she finished high school, that she could lose her chance at at any kind of career, which is really sad when you're like 16, 17, you're like, I need to get a move on because I am not getting any younger.
4: I'm going to be a has-been here really soon.
3: In like six months, I'm going to be too old. But that's the thing is like the music industry is very young, Mm -hmm. you know? We, you don't. It, it's a little bit different in the acting world because you have people like uh, Steve Carell who decided at age forty he wanted to be an actor, which is fine. But you don't really see people that are forty getting into the music industry, the, you know? right?
4: Very, very, very rarely.
3: Very rarely. Who is
4: the uh, the lady that was on the Britain's Got Talent that got real famous? She was older, wasn't she? Well,
3: Susan Boyle.
4: Yeah, but that. I mean, that's those. Those are are super few and far between.
3: And mm-hmm. also. A, look how talented she is, and B, it's a reality show. right. It wasn't her going through the the normal channels of recording the demos, sending it out to studios, having those studios listen to her, and then producing her. That was her going on a reality show and gaining fame that way. Different. Mm-hmm. It's 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 almost the exact same approach that that Christina is going to be taking. But her prayer was answered, and her aunt Kathy agreed to homeschool her for a number of her high school courses. Her aunt had four children and had successfully homeschooled all of them, and she was able to complete her junior and senior year through homeschooling and with tutors, and she wanted to learn. Using Proverbs 18, 15 as a guide, she would also continue to read the Bible as well as many other Christian books, and not just in her schooling, but in her tutoring as well. She was asked in an interview if she missed out on any social activities or other events when she was being homeschooled. And she said that she didn't because she found that, uh, you know, being homeschooled was a lot of fun. And for missing any social events, she really didn't miss any social events because she went to the senior prom with her then boyfriend of four years because he was a year ahead. So she actually got to go to the prom. So she wasn't like missing out on anything. And you think about like the fact that she was bullied because of the way she dressed and, you know, her makeup and stuff like that, like, homeschooling would have been great for me i would have loved so, it
4: so she's going to the prom and i'm trying to figure out if she would have been graduating when about 2011 2012
3: yeah so on february 11th 2012 shortly after christina moved to california whitney houston who we will be covering next year if you'll hear in our draft uh died tragically uh, she was deeply saddened by the news as whitney had been a role model
4: it it seems almost implausible that Whitney's been dead that long, but yeah. Yeah. No, i am like, if you, if you asked me to guess what year I'd be like, Oh man, that was God. That had to be like two or three years ago.
5: Yeah. It's more like eight years. It was like eight. What's, yeah. What's almost sadder. nine.
3: What's even sadder is Bobby Christina. Yeah. Her daughter. Oh, who died almost the same way she did. Oof. So sad. Uh, she was deeply saddened by the news because Whitney had been a role model for her and her music. And she shared a deep connection because both of them were from New Jersey <laughs> Both were raised in the Christian faith. Both of them, you know, Whitney came from a musical family, though, Mm -hmm. whereas Christina had to work because, you know, Dionne Warwick was her godmother? Something like that. I think
4: so. And then Thelma Houston was...
3: a singer, right? Yeah. Both of them were gifted singers and both were presented with career opportunities early on in their lives.
4: And uh, almost every woman who sings I can think of from the late 80s until... About that time were probably influenced by Whitney in some manner,
3: obviously. yeah. I mean, here's the thing. if I had a dollar for every time someone saying, "I will always love you <laughs> oh, gosh. Like karaoke, I would be not doing this podcast. Where... <laughs> I would be rich,
4: yeah, but so, that's one that probably impacted a lot of a lot of aspiring musicians or people who had already made it by that time,
3: yeah. So upon hearing of her passing, Christina offered a video tribute to Whitney Houston on her YouTube channel. She performed, I Will Always Love You in a video remembrance of the late pop and R&B diva. She opens the clip with an explanation of why she wasn't playing the piano through the video. And she explained that the song was just so big. And honestly, she couldn't make it through without tearing up, crying or falling short. So I'm actually gonna share a version of this song with you right now because it's absolutely stunning. So here's Christina's cover of Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You.
1: If I should stay I would only be in your way So I'll go But I know
3: back what do we think i Uh, think
4: that girl could sing yeah
3: no no question and that's the thing it's like there there are particular songs that you listen to that you can kind of fake your way through most of it but then they always have that one note because everybody can do etta James's at last but when you get
4: i mean i I can't so not everybody
3: but (laughs) But when when you really everybody but when you get to that last note if you don't hit it People will turn on you, and it's like "Dream On" oh, from yeah. Aerosmith. If you can't hit that one note, don't sing the song. But that's there's that one note that that happens in the song that you can, you maybe can like stumble drunkly your way through the song. But if you can't hit that note, people are gonna notice. And boy, she nailed it. She what?
4: slayed it. Yeah, that's that was fantastic. That's
3: set on incredible. And,
4: and, I, and I'm imagining since she's just doing these videos and posting them on YouTube, it's not like there's a lot of studio wizard, wizardry going on there. Pro Tools yeah. and auto-tuning and stuff like that. I mean, if that's what she sounded like on the YouTube video she was making in her house, that's probably what she sounded like.
3: Yeah. And what's crazy is this was actually there. I could not find the original one where she talked about, you know, not having the piano. So you'll notice that there are backing tracks. This video that's posted on YouTube was actually posted on May 13th, 2020. This year, oh wow! Oh, she, got, okay. she passed away four years ago. So her channel is still active. So I'm assuming it's being run by her brother or her family, you know, um, her brother, her father. Yeah. So Selena Gomez was notably tra- impressed with the tribute to Whitney and tweeted a link to Christine's <laughs> video saying that she did an amazing job. That video, upon its release, received more than sixty-two thousand views. Now, a lot of people who listened to the video were actually convinced that the audio was just Whitney Houston's, and that she was lying about her being able to sing it. So, oh,
4: wow.
3: so yeah, uh, trolls got a troll, you know.
4: But but that's a that's a that's a pretty high compliment, troll, to say. Well. This obviously you you couldn't have sung this. Well, this this is obviously Whitney Houston. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. We can't have nice things, kids. can we? Right. People knew about the deep love and connection that she had with her mom and they that her fans knew how sick her mom was and her mother actually began her third battle with breast cancer.
4: Yeah,
3: oh, jeez. Wow. So uh, Now, at this point, it should be said that she has a dedicated fan base. Like she has people that have been following her since the beginning. At this point, she's had a YouTube channel for three years or two years, and she's got this fan base. So people actually found out about her mom's battle with cancer, and they created a video for her mother. And it was a, a video montage of people expressing their love and their thoughts and prayers for her mother and even members of the movie The Match Breaker, which starred Christina Grimmie in a leading role, appeared in the video and then uh, she showed that video to her mom and Tina was brought to tears by the gesture. So her fan base got together and created a video montage to show love to her mom. Like that's how much people loved Christina. It's impressive. Okay. So, now I'm going to talk about what most people have been waiting for, which is The Voice.
6: <laughs>
3: the Voice, if you guys don't know, is a singing competition show on NBC. It premiered during the spring television cycle of April 26, 2011. And that, See that? I, I, would, I would never
4: have guessed that show had been on that long.
3: Really? For some <laughs> reason.
4: Yeah, no. For some reason, I was thinking, oh, yeah, it's probably been on five, six years now.
3: Time moved on time moves different when you're old
4: i yeah i think it does i think that makes a difference
3: i also think that the 90s were about 10 years ago so <laughs> don't feel bad mm-hmm. and then i realized no that was 30 years yeah. ago mm-hmm. and and i've got one foot in the grave Ugh. so it was a this this show was a little bit different than what his direct competition was which was american idol So if you guys have never seen The Voice, the way they've set it up is they do what's called blind auditions and the judges have their chairs turned with their backs to the contestants. So their judgment is based solely on the vocal ability of the singer and not their looks or whether or not they're too old or they don't look like they belong in the music industry. Because we know that looks, as much as it sucks, looks are important in... (laughs) entertainment right
4: incredibly and i would say that part of when music started to take a big downfall was when ugly people began to be excluded from the process
3: oh yeah (laughs) i mean rod stewart is not an attractive man well i
4: mean just see i mean let's just be honest think about how much more of an emphasis there 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 came to be placed on how you looked once mtv debuted because exactly. there were some ugly, there were some ugly, uh, there were some ugly ass big stars in the '70s.
3: Oh, Ringo Starr, Bob Dylan, I mean Tom Petty. Well, the the, not the,
4: the example record. that everybody always uses is right before at the dawn of MTV. You know, Christopher Cross was a big, was like uh, one of the biggest stars in the world with oh, out huh? of his debut album, and then people saw him and they're like, "Oh, wow."
5: And then there's the famous, what was it, the meatloaf video where they switched out The Lady Who Sings? Yes. For an actress. Yes. Big controversy.
3: Miss Loud. Miss Loud, yeah. Miss Loud. It. They, they, they switched her out during I Will Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. I mean, it's, it's the... Uh... Or,
4: or even before that, a little bit before that, um, if you remember, was it, uh, gosh, who was it? Technotronic? Was Maybe. Was it Pump Up the, ja- was it pump, pump up the Jam? Maybe. There's, there's There's like a model... Lip syncing in the video, a gorgeous model, and it's like, yeah, that's that's not the singer,
3: <laughs> it's <Milli laughs> not who's singing that song at all. Millie Vanilli, look at Millie Vanilli,
4: well, right, because because the people who s- actually sang the Millie Vanilli songs were like like middle, like they were middle aged, you know, studio musicians, yeah, right. And then there's Right Said Fred, <laughs> <laughs> who, who regrettably sang every
3: <laughs> every
4: who sang every note of every song.
5: And you know who else did that? Was Manfred Mann's Earth Band.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the, and there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our federally mandated Manfred Mann's Earth Band reference. <laughs> 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 the, the FCC required Somehow, somehow I was going to that I think it was like a rider that was tacked onto the Clean Air Act or, or some shit. <laughs> we have to mention Manfred Mann's Earth Band in every episode we do. It doesn't matter who the episode's on, it doesn't matter. What the context is, but they have to be mentioned at some point. Will the thrill has fulfilled that? Thank you. Thank this you. is the Rock and Roll
5: Heaven podcast, found on Pantheon, wherever you hear great podcasts, and about Manfred Band's Earth Band.
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: has there been an episode in which Manfred oh. Band's Earth Band has not been mentioned? There, uh, been.
3: there might have been like one or two. One the- or two, and I- Petula I-
4: Clark comes up an odd amount of the time too.
3: Yeah,
5: and Glass Tiger is the other one. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and terry
3: webb and the spider <laughs>
4: terry webb and the spiders.
3: <laughs> so anyway before we get way too off the tracks and i cannot edit this episode um, so you guys i'm gonna break i'm gonna break some ideas i'm gonna break the social norm for you guys not everything you guys see on tv is real even in reality shows oh stop it because what for any of these, any of these music shows, you have to be vetted. And so they have open calls. I, not-
5: can't, I can't hear you over the clutching of my pearls. <laughs> <laughs>
4: we're, we're both aghast.
3: Yeah, well, you, you, you can't just show up on TV because there's a lot of vetting that has to be done because they have to do things like uh, making sure you have or don't have talent. But, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into the free show that you guys see on TV. So the open calls for the sixth season, which sixth season were being held throughout June and July of 2013 in four locations. And that being the Las Vegas Convention Center in Las Vegas, the Austin Convention Center in Austin, Texas, the arena at the St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis University in Missouri, and the Javits Center in New York so you know people actually have to pay their own way to get to these open calls like the show isn't going to pay for you to do the open you're calls. you're on so your own basically you're on your own so you got to figure out where you're going to go so probably <laughs> if she's in california i'm assuming that she's going to go to either the las vegas con- center, uh, convention center or she'll go to javits because that's close to new jersey so she could see her family it sounds so logical, yeah. i'm not entirely certain where she auditioned but She watched episodes of The Voice in previous seasons. So she was familiar with the format. And uh, what I was saying before was, you know, they have, you have four judges that sit in chairs with their backs to the audience. So she, she had watched this show and there had been some minor changes from previous seasons, but they weren't something that was concerning to her. It was going to be a challenge for the 19 year olds. So she's 19 at this point, as she was up against talented singers, like these guys were talented. And jumping back in time, I would say Christina was no stranger to awards and honors. She had been nominated and won some awards for performing on tours. In 2011, she had been nominated and won the American Music Award in the category of New Media Honoree Female. In 2013, she had been nominated for the Radio Disney Award in the category of Biggest Viral Artist. And she had performed in the UNICEF Charity Concert in 2011 and performed backup vocals for Selena Gomez and The Scene. In 2011... Uh, it also saw her appear on the first Digi Tour, which had been created especially for YouTube artists. Recently. And I
4: would also say that um, uh, with the Voice, there are uh, some of the people who are trying out who are f- people who formerly had record contracts and but, hit songs. I, I can I can think of one who's from South Carolina who was a contestant,
3: and no, who and, I, and I,
4: as I recall, that no no one picked. But, you know, she had actually been the next big thing for a little while and had like a big top 10 hit record. And then things just kind of went south for her. But, and she ended up on that show. Who so it's that? not like you're just going up against like people like me. <laughs> like, like, some dr- like some drunk dude from South Carolina. I was like, hey, I want to sing for you, Blake. Are you? Who was that? Hey, <laughs> T- Chris. Do what?
3: Who was that?
4: Uh, Julie Roberts.
3: Julie Roberts. I don't know if she I had know. a
4: big. She had a big country hit with um, "Breakdown Here." Okay.
3: Well, uh, she's
4: from she's from Lancaster. She's from uh, she actually did some work for our mother at one point. But um, yeah, she was kind of like the next big thing for a little while there. And she her first album went gold or platinum, and she had that big, you know, big top ten hit. And then for whatever reason, things didn't you know go her way. But she you know my point is that she ended up as a contestant on that show. So you're not just going up against like schlubs off the street. There are people who have some history and background in the industry that, that appeared on there that well, she would that, have been competing against.
3: That's what I'm trying to say. The sure. like We were talking about Miss Loud. The original Miss Loud performed on The Voice and no one turned their chairs. Mm-hmm. Like she was like, I just wanted to come on the show and see if I still had any musical chops. She was like, and I got my answer. So it's kind of sad to see because she, mm-hmm. she still can wail. no one turned their chairs i don't think that was the american version i think that was the uk version yeah Still, like that's that backs up what she says like it's not people that haven't got any kind of background at this point on this per this particular cycle few of the contestants had any stage experience at all which she actually had a lot of and of course because of her experience people said that she had an edge because she had like a social media following and she'd been posting on that. And she had the YouTube channel. And, and so people thought that she had an unfair advantage because of this. But of course the thing is when she came on the show, like, yeah, maybe she had made it through some producers because of that. But in the end getting her on the stage, what was going to get her any farther in the show was her talent. And the fact that the judges turned their chairs Right. So like you could put, there's a great, great thing on the internet and maybe if I remember I will try to post it, but Neil Patrick Harris actually dressed up like a German or Norwegian uh, journalist and decided that he was going to audition for the show. Oh, that's right. So yeah. they, they put him on the show and nobody turned their chair around.
4: He, he can actually sing a little bit, can
3: he? Yeah, but he did it very jokingly.
4: I gotcha. Okay. But, but it I got was
3: you. Yeah, but it was so funny. But that was the thing. Like, even Neil Patrick Harris couldn't get people to turn their chairs around. So, I mean, like, you have to be super talented. And that's what's going to... Like, if you're not talented, you're not going to turn their chairs. Sit
5: there.
3: Yeah. So she participated in the open calls and won the chance to participate in the blind auditions. And that was taped sometime between October 10th and October 13th in 2013. Now, in order for her to continue on to the show, she would need at least one of the contestants to hit their button to turn their chair around during the blind audition. And if more than one judge turns their chair, the contestant actually has to pick the person that they want.
4: And this is the, so early. This is so early in the show's existence. Who are the judges at this point? Okay.
3: It is Usher, it is Shakira, it is Adam Levine and it is Blake Shelton. Okay. So second, second iteration, I think, of judging, if I'm correct, because uh, it's now, it's no longer, like CeeLo was there, Usher left, but it was, um, Gwen Stefani's been a judge. So, I mean, it's, there are a couple different iterations of the judges, much like on American Idol, you know how they switch out the judges sometimes. So if you watch the tape, which we're actually going to watch the tape, you'll see that her parents are there, and there's one other person there, and that is Lauren. And it's fitting that she's there because she played a huge part in convincing Christina to start her YouTube channel. That had been the catalyst of launching her career. So having her best friend from childhood that helped her start her YouTube channel, being at that taping was a huge thing. So Christina had selected Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball to perform at the blind auditions. And people were upset that she sang that song because it wasn't the kind of song they expected her to sing. But she knew singing Wrecking Ball would provide an opportunity to help her demonstrate a wide vocal range, and it would appeal to a secular audience. Because remember, she's extremely religious. She's deeply religious. And so, you know, her her religion means a lot to her. But she understands she has to appeal to a secular audience. It was also a song that would be able to have the rights obtained to it. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but... Uh, there are certain artists that don't license their music for shows like this. So you might not be able to get access to a particular artist or a particular song because of the licensing. So licensing is really important because someone like Billy Joel gave their entire catalog to the show Glee. So Glee could just use any Billy Joel song that they wanted, but you might not be able to get right said Fred to give you, (laughs) That's (laughs)
6: <laughs> <All> right, that's <laughs> not a
3: world I want to live
4: in. Right. They. I was. I was going to say because they have standards. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so you know, it, there. There's a lot of red tape and politics that go into reality shows when it comes to the music you can choose. So you might get a book with maybe five, six hundred different artists, and you can't find the one that you want to sing because mm-hmm. their music hasn't been licensed. But at this point, Wrecking Ball was. a a really big song for miley cyrus and let's not forget literally the first song she ever posted on her youtube channel was a miley cyrus song so it's almost like a tip of the hat but people were still upset that she was singing this i don't understand humans Uh, i don't either
4: because there's nothing really offensive about the song yeah itself now they might associate the song with a per- certain performance of it that miley offered up or two uh, or two or all mm-hmm. um or the video or something but the the song in and of itself is not offensive
3: no it's actually quite beautiful
4: yeah there's nothing there's nothing wrong there's nothing improper or ugly or controversial about the lyrics to the song yeah so.
3: exactly so
4: yeah, people, people are people are weird. I agree with you. It brings to mind like um, there were people offended or and upset like when Amy Grant did some secular songs. Now she was singing "Baby, Baby,"
3: <laughs>
4: and well, well, like there, she was doing like uh, "Baby, Baby" and "That's What Love Is For" and stuff like that. Like these takes are like a
3: little, it takes a little time. Is probably my favorite Amy Grant song of all but time. But these
4: are you're right. But these are these are in terms of you if you read the lyrics, they're as, as unoffensive. As they could possibly be. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, but yeah, but she's not singing a gospel song. So somehow I'm upset about it. And like, okay.
3: <laughs> I have discovered
4: if you want, yeah. Okay. I have
3: discovered you cannot please everyone. So no, you-, you
4: sure can't. And you shouldn't even worry about it. But yeah. But, it, but so, it's not the, the, the reaction that Christina would have got is not like uncommon necessarily.
3: Yeah. So remember, I told you she had those bouts of stage fright occasionally. Mm-hmm. Well, she remembers walking on the stage and thinking to herself, like, this is real. And she had dreamed of this exact moment, like being on a national stage, on a national TV show with four very influential artists right in front of her. And she said she was fine. She was okay. So as the music began, she focused on her performance and she sang at her heart out. Uh, Her and her family were hoping that at least one chair would turn around, but there's a very real possibility that no one would turn around. Okay, so I'm going to give you a breakdown. 13 seconds into the blind audition, Usher hits his button. (laughs) And one second later, Shakira hits hers, turning their chairs around almost simultaneously. 19 seconds into the song, Adam Levine hit his button as well. Bud, Tina, and Lauren were watching the audition in a separate room that was set aside specifically for the families and the guests of the contestants. And they freak out and they totally should have. So it, it finally she hits a major note and Blake Shelton is the last one that turns his chair around. And I'm gonna play you guys that blind audition. It might be a little bit on the long side and the audio might not be that great, but I feel like it's super important for you guys to hear this. So I'm gonna play Christina Grimmie's version of Wrecking Ball from The Voice along with her choices, okay?
1: Chained in with John. Never why We kissed, I fell on. We love no one could deny Don't you ever
6: say Holy I just That didn't take long!
0: What's your name? My name is Christina Grimmy.
5: People come out here and they sing, and you never know what to expect. And then you turn around, and you start to see how engaging and passionate and you're more comfortable than I am up there, almost. Whoa. And that is the moment where you realize that this person can be a huge star. I mean, I really believe that.
0: Thank you so much, Adam. <laughs> Thank you.
5: And it's going to get bloody, and we're going to fight. But I'm going to fight harder Christina. than you.
1: No, 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 harder than me.
5: No one fights harder than no, me. No, no one. Six fights seasons. Than me. Six seasons.
1: He hasn't had a day off. He's tired.
5: Do I look tired? Yes. Listen, yes.
1: you look fine, <laughs> In season four, I might have been hormonal and sleepless, but now I'm rested and I'm focused as laser, and I'm going to give you all this. Listen, with all the focus and faith, nothing will make an incredible connection to someone who will understand who you are as an artist and be able to unlock the incredible potential that is there. I who better to understand you than
0: a woman? <laughs> <laughs> a girl.
1: You know what, listen. <laughs> or a man. This is about your voice. You Amazing. were phenomenal.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, she
6: knows that. Listen. It's actually the truth.
5: I plan on winning this entire thing
4: with you. Don't you get the feeling that if you go with him, you won't ever get a word in edgewise? You'll never (laughs) get to say anything. Here's what uh, my three friends down here (laughs) haven't figured out this isn't about me, this isn't about them, it's about you and what you want to do. I just want to help you figure out whatever that is and make you the winner of this show.
0: Hey, Christina, what what do you love? I mean, who who, who inspires you the most? My mom, she's had breast cancer three times, and um, I thought she wouldn't get to see me do anything like this, so I love my mom, and I'm happy I got to do this for her.
6: Right on. (laughs) You're watching right now. You're here.
0: It's time to choose. Who do you pick as your coach? I love you all. Oh, my gosh.
1: You are the one, my dear.
0: Um, I'm, I'm going to pick Adam.
3: Okay. How was that performance? That was unreal. <laughs> that was that
4: was phenomenal. Yeah. Whoa. She absolutely slayed that.
3: Seriously. God, I wish I had a. a that was yeah. Uh, that that was, that was that
4: was otherworldly, amazing.
3: Yeah. So she can, you can see she picked Adam Levine after he told her that she had the potential to be a huge star due to her voice and her stage presence. And of course, Selena Gomez supported Grimmy during her audition. And Justin Bieber, an artist that Grimmy had frequently covered on YouTube, supported her during the finale. So I'm going to kind of break down what happened in the show in just a little bit. But she finished in third place behind winner Josh Kaufman and runner up Jake Worthington. Christina, along with the other singers, had chosen Adam as their coach for their team, was collectively referred to as <laughs> Team Adam. <laughs> now, because she had that support of the YouTube community, her fans actually collectively were called Team Grimmy. You know, there was already that, that she was already ahead when it came to that. So the moment that those chairs turned, you're automatically under contract.
6: Really?
3: Yeah. So she couldn't publicly reveal the results of her auditions until the show was broadcast. So it would be a while before her fans would see uh, her blind audition and whether or not she made it past the blind auditions. Uh, her audition was broadcast on February twenty fourth, two thousand fourteen. While her full audition was featured on the premiere of the show, sections of her coaching were not shown that night. Still, the folks back at home had, you know, in in New Jersey, had a newfound hero. And it put Marlton, New Jersey in the national spotlight. So only a few people know that her opportunity to appear on The Voice came very close to not actually happening. Because when you're on a show like this, you are sequestered. So they put you up in a hotel. They take away your phone. You have no contact with the outside world. Nothing. You're you are, It's kind of like if you watch The People versus O.J. Simpson... It's kind of like what happened to the jurors in that show. Like they had, you have no contact with the outside world because they don't want anything to be leaked. So her father found out about that. And he was like, nope, I'm sorry. We're out. We're going. And the producers of the show saw this. And they asked, you know, why is it so important that you have contact? And well, she's like, well, my mom is sick. So... The production team got together and they're like okay you'll be able to have contact with your family we have concierge that will take care specifically of you like don't worry we have a great track record of taking care of contestants and so knowing that her father felt better he felt even more better if that's the right terminology for when she when he found out that not only were a bunch of the other contestants actually christian one of them biff gore was actually a pastor so he felt so much better because he knew that there were a lot of, you know, people with the same values as her, and there was a pastor that same season. So here's how the voice broke down. Of course, she made it through the blind auditions. Then she went through the battle rounds. For this part of the competition, she went up against Joshua Howard on the Taylor Swift song, I Knew You Were Trouble, which they're in a boxing ring at this point, like battling it out, <laughs> which was the first time I saw it, I was like, what is actually happening on this show? <laughs> That had been previously covered by season four runner-up, and her name is Michelle Shamel. And sadly for the viewers, the battle was montage, but it did reveal that Christina won, making it to part two of the battle rounds. So battle round part two went up against a girl's named Sam on the One Republic Kent can- "Counting Stars." Both girls, and this,
4: and, and this time she was in a UFC octagon. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
3: Both the girls, get, both girls gave it their all, making coach Adam Levine have a very tough decision. Despite Blake Shelton thinking that Sam should win and Shakira being undecided, Adam picked Christina to go to the live playoffs. For the playoffs, this part of the show, Christina's saying Jason Moraz's I won't give up, dedicating it to her mom. Her performance blew the coaches away and made Adam Levine's decision to have her move forward a very easy one. When it came to the live shows, Uh, She took on Katy Perry's hit, Dark Horse, and she blew all the coaches away with her performance, especially her own coach, Adam, who said that he felt like he was watching a performance on the MTV Video Music Awards. And so that put her in the top 10. For the second live show, she took a major risk by singing a Drake hit called Mm -hmm. Hold On, I'm Coming Home, and again, blew everyone away. You should see a pattern here. She just blows everyone away because you can hear how talented she is. She's incredible. He admitted how proud he was of her and how much she impressed him. And that became her first top 10 hit on iTunes. So she got pushed into the top eight. For the third live show, she took on the song How to Love by Lil Wayne at the suggestion of her coach, Adam. And despite her fears, this performance would be uh, too much like the one that she had done the week before. She put everything into the song and got great reviews from the coaches. And that song became her second top 10 hit on iTunes, peaking at number four. Then she made it to the top five. For the fourth live show, she took on the song Hide and Seek by Imogene Heap and Some Nights by Fun. I love that song. Mm, Despite receiving praise from the coaches, both songs didn't chart high on iTunes and had some critics worried because she had been the favorite all season and had ended up in the bottom three and had to sing for her spot in the finale, which she got via the Instant save, which I guess is kind of like the golden buzzer or the save. There so were the judges like save them. I think the judges okay. save them for the finals. She took on three songs, one of them with a duet with uh, Adam. Her first two performances, "Can't Help Falling in Love" by the great Elvis Presley, and a repeat of her blind audition song "Wrecking Ball" by by Miley Cyrus, earning her praises from the judges. However, her rendition of "Can't Help Falling in Love" it got her in a bit of trouble with fans because of Season 13 American Idol contestant gina irene who had a moment with the song two weeks earlier even though both girls had sung different versions of it still can't help falling in love charted at number three on itunes while her duet with adam the cover of Gautier's song someone that i used to know also charted on the top tens of itunes so she is charting on itunes like the thing that you have to log into and actually pay for which is now gone by the wayside, right? No, it still exists, it still but exist. it's not as prevalent. I don't, With all the streaming stuff like Pandora it's and, just out, and Spotify, yeah. yes, just losing out. Uh, Christina finished in third place behind Joshua Kaufman of Teen Usher and runner-up Jake Worthington of Team Blake on May 20th, 2014. During the competition, uh, her coach had expressed desire to sign her to his record label, 222 Records, or 222 Records, and Lil Wayne actually showed interest in signing her to Young Money Entertainment. Ultimately, she chose to sign with Island Records. Island Records has handled some of the, the some major artists throughout the world, including notable acts as uh, Mumford & Son, Florence and the Machine, Amy Winehouse, one of my favorites, Annie Lennox. Who, you too. Of <laughs> course, you too. She toured with previous contestants of The Voice, including season five winner, Tessa Ann Chen, runner-up, oh good, these are a lot of names. <laughs> uh, let's just say this, she toured with previous contestants of The Voice, which, you know, came from seasons five and season six, and that tour started on June 21st, 2014 in San Antonio, Texas. She was writing and recording music for her sophomore album and her third major release, and the first release it's being signed to, to a label. The lead single was expected to be released in July 2014 with the album following later that year. Grimmy announced via Facebook that filming the lyric video for the single started on July 6, 2014, and on July 11th she announced her single would be called Must Be Love. On July 15, 2014, she announced via live stream that the song would be released on the 31st and it was produced by Elof Lavelle. I think I'm saying that right and recorded at Zach Recording in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm gonna let you hear that song right now. Okay, so we're back. What did you guys think of that?
5: It was totally different from anything else. Yeah, totally. totally
3: yeah. yeah, so the song was actually enthusiastically received by her fans and fellow YouTubers, but her fans were stunned and disappointed when the song received mixed reviews from critics. And to make matters more disheartening for her fans, a lot of those reviews were negative. Like, were more on the negative side. Critics complain that the song failed to make use of the full range of her incredible voice, which, you know what, I agree with.
4: Fair. That's That was actually, if I had a, a critique that I would offer of that song, I mean, it's very catchy, and I, I mean, I liked it, but um, it's using, it's a little more emphasis on the production, and and actually on a couple of, it, it sounds like they were meddling with her voice a little bit, putting some something else on there like and you don't really need to do that with somebody that talented to me that that would be my one complaint about it yeah
5: it felt like it was more about the music than the vocals exactly
3: like it was almost like they were pushing the music in front of her vocals so that that would be my that would be my critique she's incredible like she is such an incredible vocalist she doesn't need all those tricks you know Mm -hmm. she doesn't need those things put on her She was incredible with just a piano. So um, this concern is what led to a decision by Island Records to not really put anything behind it. So they didn't really promote it. They didn't do advertisements for it. They didn't push it. And then unfounded rumors started to spread that all was not well between Christina and Island Records because of unspecified issues were putting a restraint on the business relationship between the two. Now I'm going to say this. You have to remember how how much of a devout Christian she is one of the articles I read and the reason why it's not uh, I'm kind of going off the cuff here is because I didn't include it in here but one of the articles that I was reading about her death was that Island Records she had basically said I don't want to post semi-nude or nude on anything any promotional thing any I don't not on the cover not in any magazine and they were pushing her to do that. She, They were pushing her to do like nude or semi-nude photo shoots. And of course, her being as modest as she is and as a devout Christian as she was, she said, no, and I completely get it. My mom is still alive. You aren't going to see me naked.
4: Thank God. <laughs> Shut up. You're fine. Just be, just be weird. You're my sister. I mean, you know, come
3: on. Yeah, it's, it's true. So in, in 2015, Grimmy collaborated with Dove Cameron. If you guys know who Dove Cameron is, she is an incredible singer Uh, because I am of a certain age. I actually didn't know that she was like already a Disney person. So I reached out to her to be on one of the reality shows I was working on. (laughs) And uh, she's stunningly gorgeous. She's got this great voice. She's adorable. And they made a music video for What a Girl Is, which was an original song from Cameron's show Live and Maddie. So she was already a Disney kid on this at this point. The music video was released on Grammy's channel and Disney's YouTube channel. So she's got the backing of The Mouse now, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Right. It was also promoted on their official channel. And on March 4th, 2015, she announced that she had been dropped from Island Records. And that she was actually working on a new album set to be released in late 2015, which I assume would be pretty much on her own. And the new single from that album, Cliche, was released on March 16th, 2015. On April 27th, she released her second single, Stay With Me, which was a collaboration with Diamond Eyes, which climbed to number five on the iTunes electronic chart. The song was included on the 2015 UKF dubstep, which was an album that showcased top dubstep songs of the year. That's not a thing anymore, is it, dubstep?
5: Thankfully, that movement ended, Did yes. th- th- that end? Mercifully, dubstep. mercifully so, yes. Dub
3: Dubstep ended? Yeah, I, I believe it did. I heard one song and it was like the physical embodiment of a migraine headache. I mean, it's still
5: got its place in the musical, you know, yeah, progression, but it's not like a thing now.
3: Yeah, I knew I was getting old when I'm like, this isn't music, this is just noise. She was also a contestant in the Radio slash Macy's Rising Star contest, and she was revealed as the winner of that contest, securing her spot on the 2015 iHeartRadio Music Festival, which happened in September. On July the 2nd, 2015, she released her third single, Shrug, and in 2015, September of that year, she was one of the 16 international artists, including... Paul McCartney, friggin' Sir Paul McCartney, to record the charity single Love Song to the Earth, which raised climate change awareness. Grimmie returned to The Voice for season nine to promote Cole's fashion, but not as a contestant. On February 21st, Grimmie released her second EP titled Side A, which consisted of four songs. Grimmie said Side B was like to follow. She had had hopes of reaching the second full-length album by the end of the year that was february 2016 sadly everything else beyond this will be released posthumously on june 10th 2016 Grimmy performed with the band before you exit at the plaza live in orlando florida earlier that day she had posted a shout out on social media asking people to attend the concert and you can actually find that online to this day and i believe it was either a snapchat or an instagram post the performance ended at 10 p.m local time and there was a meet and greet where grimmy signed autographs inside the venue at 10:24, 24 grimmy was shot by 27 year old kevin james loibel after initially opening up her arms to give him a hug
4: oh my god
3: wow so here's the creepy thing if the venue that they were at was a pretty small venue and there was a camera that was facing from the back of the stage to the audience. And I'm assuming that was for like stage management or whatever to be able to direct lighting and stuff like that. You can actually see him in the audience in the back of the, in the back of the the audience with his arms crossed like staring at her. It's kind of like good picture of Lennon with uh,
5: yeah. Mark David Chapman.
4: Yeah. yeah. Jeez.
3: As witnesses fled the scene, he was tackled by Grimmy's brother and the two men scuffled. Loyable broke free, backed up against the wall, and shot himself dead. Grimmy was on the ground and bleeding from her head. After CPR was performed on her, 911, of course, was called, and she was taken to the Orlando Regional Medical Center in critical condition with four gunshot wounds. Sadly, she was pronounced dead just before 11 p.m. local time. The autopsy revealed that she was shot once in the head and twice in the chest, which that's not four gunshot wounds. So someone's wrong somewhere. Well, he fired to kill himself. Oh, four gunshots. Well, yeah. That's fired. Yeah, I guess so. So she was shot once in the head and twice in the chest and her death, of course, was declared a homicide. She was only 22. The Orlando Police Department said that Loible had traveled by taxi cab to Orlando from his home in St. Petersburg. Can you please tell me how far that is, just Google like, uh, the distance going? Orlando to St. Petersburg. A okay.
5: Oof, okay. That is an hour and 42 minutes by car.
3: So he took a cab for an hour and 42 minutes.
5: 107 miles.
3: 107 miles. Wow. Yeah. He brought two handguns, two extra magazines full of ammunition, and a large hunting knife.
6: Good Lord.
3: The suspect traveled to Orlando apparently to commit this crime at, at the location. You didn't have to check your bags. There were no metal detectors at the venue. There weren't even like the metal detector wands at the venue. None of the attendees were frisked, So there was like what are they no... Thinking? I'm sorry. That's no, insane. Yeah, there's no level of security. One witness complained that security was concerned about food and beverages being brought into the theater, but didn't catch his guns. So... <laughs>
4: yeah, that's that's... Uh, there, I have so many questions here. One, I, because the guy ended up killing himself... Is there any indication of why he did it? Would be my first question, that's- and then my second one is why are you allowing in a venue like that people to not just come in, but to go to a meet and greet and have access to a person with a certain level of, of you know celebrity and acclaim, and not even make them go through a metal detector? The yeah, guy had the guy had a hunting knife and two guns. Yeah, Good it's
3: not Lord. like he snuck
5: in one thing. He snuck in a, a right. Festival. Yeah.
3: Well, to answer your question, people described him at the concert as like nervous and kind of creepy. And he didn't have an arrest record in his home county. He had purchased those guns legally. Of course, like you're put on a watch list for like a couple days and then you drop off. So it's like right. not an issue. So he bought them through legal channels. Apparently uh, he didn't have an arrest warrant. He got the guns legally. He didn't know her personally, nor did she even know about him. And he had no diagnosis of any mental illness but apparently he did have a history of violence police never offered a motive but said that loyable had showed an quote unhealthy and unrealistic infatuation with the singer and tried to make himself more physically attractive for her through weight loss hair plugs and eye surgery how old was he
4: because i'm just thinking if he's getting having to get hair plugs and stuff that he's probably an older an older guy
3: so he was 27 at the time the Orlando, the Orlando Sentinel described his motives as, if I can't have you, no one else can. I'm going to possess you by taking your life. Although he lived like a hermit, his, his family said that they were not aware of his plans to travel to Orlando, nor that he possessed any guns. They also say that they, they had never heard of Christina Grimmie or heard Loebel talk about her or watched The Voice. However, his only friend in the world claimed to have known about his obsession, though not to this extent. Loybel's co-workers stated the same they also said that he would be angry and defensive when questioned about his obsession before the shooting stating that he was tired and ready to ascend which is creepy very Christina was buried at the Berlin Cemetery in a private ceremony on June 16th the following day thousands of friends and fans attended a public memorial head in Medford New Jersey I'm going to say this now if the date of June the 10th sounds shockingly familiar, literally just two days later, Holt's nightclub happened.
5: You know, one of the most famous examples is the day Kennedy was assassinated was the same day C.S. Lewis, the author, passed away. And of course, nobody was really watching that one because he was over in, he was across the pond, first of all, and second of all, the president of the United States had been murdered on national television. So right. I think, you know, and this is a, a similar case of where it got, you know, pushed aside by- another. There, there are
4: certain there, there are certain instances I can think of where that happened. Um, yep. You know, the the former governor of my my fair state uh, obviously did some stuff that got a lot of attention (laughs) back in 2009, except that that same day Michael Jackson died and everybody just kind of quit paying attention for a little bit. Um,
3: So did Farrah Fawcett on the same day.
4: On the same day, if I remember right, Johnny Nash died a few hours after Eddie Van Halen did. Yeah. So it's just one thing kind of ends up overshadowing the other. It shouldn't obviously but yeah that's that's obviously that was a huge you know a a huge occurrence huge happening
3: yeah both both
4: horrifically both horrifically sad
3: yeah yeah but that's that's one of those things is the general public might not have heard of her passing because it would have been you know there's that that state of confusion that happens directly after where people are like "Let's let's get the story out as quickly as possible right and and then there's like a wait and see kind of period and then what happens in that like wait and see kind of period is that something horrific happens at Polk's nightclub. And,
4: and it's just, it it's, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how long before her death, let's just say dime bag Daryl's would have been.
5: Yeah.
4: But you know, like how many times does that have to happen before we would realize, you know, maybe, maybe it's a good idea to just have a metal detector at the door, just make people walk through. And if it beeps, we call them back.
3: Well, see, when we go to our when we go to concerts, they do have that. Sure. Like when we go to the Hollywood Bowl, the reason why it takes like forty five minutes to get in the door is because they're checking every. They're checking your bags. They're checking your pockets. They're checking everything. You go through metal detectors. Like, sure. They're checking for everything, and I'm fine as, with that.
4: As, as they should. I, 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 that, that, I'm fine waiting on that you know, that, that, that isn't something that's going to bother me to, you know, hold me up for half an hour or 45 extra minutes.
3: But then you have something that happens like at the Ariana Grande concert, where I think 24 people, I I could be wrong about that. And I'm sorry if I am, but where 24 people were killed with a bomb. Just a bombing. Right.
4: right? Yeah. Bombing.
3: I mean, you know, and mom, mom gets so scared of us going to concerts like that. And I'm like, we're, we're actually pretty safe in California. They, they do take (laughs) because there's a lot of celebrities in California. Sure. So they, they but I'm just
4: trying to think there've, there've been so few instances where people got close enough access to celebrities to, to do that. That sounds like that one and, and Dimebag both just sound like negligence on somebody's part, extreme negligence. Um, you know, then you have like, you go, want to go back to when we were really young, LD, like uh, you remember Rebecca Schaefer that was on My Sister Sam?
3: Oh, yeah. the, the Somebody, guy like hired- walked
4: up to her and like, knocked on her door, and she answered, and they shot her. Really? Yeah. For, well, For the much the same reason, like, they were obsessed with her.
3: He hired a PI to get her address and, like, called the PI under the guise of trying to get her address because he had a role that he wanted her to read for. Right. So, and then he showed up at her house, knocked on her door, and she came down and, I think, signed something for him. It had a brief interaction, and he didn't do anything, and then he left. So she was living in an apartment complex. And so uh, he left, came back, knocked on her door and she's like, you gotta go, like, I can't have you here. And he shot her in the chest.
6: Yeah, yeah.
3: He did that because she was in a movie that he thought that she was too innocent to be in. So, I mean, like, it, you know, there there does need to be a level of privacy and security that needs to be around these celebrities because people watch these shows or watch these channels and think oh i know you because right. i i've i've watched you for so long it's like we're friends already and it's like no the fact is you don't know them you know their on-screen persona you don't know them
6: right
5: and-
3: the other thing i want to point out is the fact that he's getting surgery
5: to alter his appearance this i can't help but was a deep ongoing obsession so when i hear all these people say they didn't know about it i again i don't know the fine details but i feel like a lot of the signs were there again you don't get hair plugs on a whim for someone you don't know that just doesn't happen
4: you know especially when you're 20 like 27 years old yeah
3: Yeah. well in the wake of her death Dozens of artists and other celebrities took to social media. The Voice tweeted that there are no words. We've lost a beautiful soul with an amazing voice. Her former coach Adam Levine wrote that he and his wife were absolutely devastated and, and heartbroken. This is yet another senseless act of extreme violence. Blake Shelton wrote, "I am stunned and disgusted and heartbroken that we lost another sweet little girl." Longtime friend and former mate Selena Gomez was performing only a few miles away from Grammy at the Amway Center when she was shot. The following morning, she wrote that my heart is absolutely broken. I miss you, Christina. Gomez also tearfully dedicated her performance of Hillsong's Transfiguration in Grimmy's memory at her Miami concert the following night on June 11th, and then canceled a meet and greet scheduled to take place that night, citing fear and grief. Absolutely. And you can actually find the clip of her kind of breaking down during that concert online. I'm not gonna play it here because like I can I've watched it like three times. I can't I can't watch it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it is heartbreaking to watch. And of course, like go ahead and cancel that meet and greet because you don't know.
6: Yeah.
3: You don't know. Many others dedicated performances to Grammy such as Justin Bieber, Sabrina Carpenter, Demi Lovato, Maroon Five, 21 Pilot, Charlie Puth, Rachel Platten, and Dove Cameron, who had previously collaborated with Christina expressing her grief over the course of a few days on Twitter. Before you exit with whom Grimmy had performed with before the shooting tweet, tweeted, today we lost an angel, a sister, a beloved friend. The family of the perpetrators of Grimmy's death left a handwritten note on the doorstep offering their condolences and apologies for their son's actions with no other comment. Something has to happen where, when something like this or Columbine happens, that we don't immediately attack the family. And I'll say this because there is an incredible Ted talk with Dylan Klebold's mother. And I think it's about 14 or 15 minutes. And it's one of the most gut-wrenching things you can watch. This is like a one, two, three, four, five, six gut punch. It's hard. It's hard because when that person attacks someone, you're not just attacking that person. You are are bringing so many other people into the circle because you have, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your friends, people that know you that are also going to be affected by your actions. And so I, 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 I do like the movement where they don't say the shooter's name anymore because don't give them any fame, but also in that sense, you might be protecting their family, which had absolutely no idea that this was going on. The family didn't even know that they were, they had no idea who she was, much less that their son was Obsessed with her. How crazy is that? Someone say something for fuck's sake.
5: I'm sorry. This is just all. This is a lot.
6: Yeah, it's
5: hard. It's hard to comment because again, we can have conjecture. We don't know what was going on behind the closed doors. I do think that yes, it was a, a good gesture for the family, and I do think it's a problem when something like this happens because people are hurt they're lashing out and they will go after the nearest target which in some cases could be the parents or the siblings or whoever yeah. who may not who may not have anything to do with it you know um and it, it's hard to comment on something like this because again you you don't know you and, don't- in,
4: and in this case it's not like he was a a 17 year old who still lived with his parents and how could y'all not know that your son was doing such and such and
6: right he was on his own right.
4: have, I, mean, this, I mean this guy was a, he was an adult he was he was in his late 20s by this time and i, I presume living by himself or, or at least not with his parents so i mean how, i mean you don't you don't know what they're doing you certainly don't know that they are either necessarily have have any way of knowing that they're either evil or disturbed in some way or what whatever causes a person to go murder a person another person that they don't even know and plan it out obviously
3: yeah yeah the ceo of youtube paid tribute to her by saying that the youtube family was heartbroken and shocked to hear of Grimmy's murder with youtube officially paying tribute on their website many youtubers made tribute videos for christina and on june 17th a montage clip featuring Grimmy titled in loving memory of christina Grimmy was posted on her official YouTube channel, which gained upwards of 2.5 million views and 33,000 comments in the first four days. Wow. Wow. Songs written and recorded in Grimmie's memory include Tyler Ward's A Song for Christina, Before You Exits, Clouds, Max and Christina's song and Blink of an Eye by Tori Kelly. In season 11 of The Voice, the coaches performed Dream On at the start of the show as a tribute to Grimmy. And in season 12, Adam performed Hey Jude as another tribute as her family was in the audience. On June 11th, the GoFundMe was created by Grimmy's manager to cover funeral costs and expenses for the family, raising over $170,000 in two, pa- two days and surpassing its goal of $4,000. Hmm. It received over 25,000 shares through social media, but soon after, Adam Levine offered to pay for all the expenses. Oh, nice. Wow. Also, a petition was created on Change.org to honor Grimmy, a fan of the video game in the series Legends of Zelda, actually named an NPC player after her. If you guys don't know, that's a non playable character after her in the upcoming Legend of Zelda game, which was set to be released in 2017. It was signed by over seventy thousand people, including her brother Marcus, though nothing ever came of it, oh. which is so sad. Dude, just name a character after. Yeah, absolutely.
4: yeah, just get right exactly. Just give just just name somebody, Christina.
3: Come on. Uh, Grammy was actually scheduled to appear at E3 in two thousand sixteen. Is that the one that I went to?
5: I don't think it's twenty sixteen. I think that was prior to that. Pri- okay. Yeah, I think it was I've actually
3: night. been to an E3 convention. It was kind of awesome, but very loud. The former president of Nintendo America, Reggie Fils, gave his condolences to Grimmy and the victims of the Orlando nightclub shooting before giving his Nintendo E3 2016 speech on the announcement of *Legends of Zelda: Breath of the Wild*. So, I mean, it was one of those things where he did make he he did acknowledge her within that community, which I do think is is incredibly sweet. But I do wish that they had named a character after her. Here's the thing that sucks is that she had millions of fans around the world. She had this huge community and we can't figure out if she actually got put in a Legends of Zelda game. (laughs) So of course, in the wake of this tragedy, there were calls to have increased security at performances at those venues and have some sort of decision about gun control and mental health. American heavy metal band Pantera, Mm -hmm. noting the similarities between Christina's murder and the death of their... Guitarist Daryl Abbott, you know, Dimebag Daryl, and three other people in 2004 urged concert promoters and club owners to impose stronger measurements to protect the artists from gun wielding fanatics. That's a quote. Sadly, that's not the case. And and another rising star had to pay the consequences with her life. Wow. The plaza reopened four days later after the shooting and paid tribute to Grimmy. Management asked Orlando Police to help evaluate the club's security. Some singers in Las Vegas, including Callie Tucker, were given escorts after their performances. In California, VidCon added metal detectors and security officers and banned informal meet and greets in the wake of the shooting. And I'm guessing the informal meet and greets is like, you know, you see them out in the parking lot. Like, you just can't go up to them and say hi. Yeah, they'll walk a person out, I think. Yeah, I think they now escort the person out and then people were actually assigned private security and an industry attorney say the extra measurements are expensive and the fans don't like it but this is the new reality and it's true it's sad that we have to have that separation now between the the performers and the fans but again you know we just we just can't have nice things anymore because people have to
4: and it takes, it only takes, but see, that's the thing. It only takes one crazy slash evil slash whatever person
3: yeah. you
6: know,
4: to ruin it. I mean, the, her other 3 million fans could all be perfectly well-behaved and would never dream of hurting her and all that stuff, but it only takes that, that one prick or disturbed individual, whatever, whatever you, however you want to view him. Cause I don't, I don't know if anybody ever really knows what was happening with him. but, but it only takes that one and, and you can't take the chance.
3: So. Yeah. Yeah. And like we were saying, the Pulse nightclub shooting occurred the night after her murder. And it also took place in Orlando, Florida. And it was only four miles where she was shot. And while while the police confirmed that the shootings had no connections, Billboard actually published an open letter to Congress to stop gun violence now. On June 23rd, they demand background checks for every gun purchase and outright ban on the sale to, to suspected terrorists. The inspiration for the letter came from both the shootings. And the Billboard editor said... The ease with which dangerous people can get guns is the only connection between the Pulse nightclub shooting and Grammy's murder. The letter was signed by nearly 200 musical industry luminaries, including artist Cher, Jennifer Lopez, Lady Gaga, Britney Spears, Tom York, and surviving Beatles, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, and executives Daniel Glass, Irving Azoff, and Russell Simmons. I, yeah, I mean... You know, there's a lot we could say on uh the, the, the gun the gun stance, but we're not going to because we're not a political podcast. So uh I will not say I, I will keep my mouth firm.
4: But open. we can certainly talk about lax and crappy security and um yeah. the the fact that, you know, if, if artists should demand it. Yes, well, well, you know, we'll do what we can. It's like, no, you're either gonna provide it or I'm just not gonna be there. Well, we no, we're gonna have it's like no you're you're going to provide a, a a very safe environment for me to perform in and then to do a meet and greet in or i'm not coming
3: yeah period yeah it, and it should it should be the venue you want this person to perform at your venue you provide them with security right i was
4: going to say this that this doesn't seem like a giant ask no i'd like to make sure that there's not an armed person who might shoot me yeah yeah and if they, you know they're 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 not letting people bring in Doritos that night, but they don't check this Joker for a, a, a freaking hunting knife and, and two pistols, um and 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 clips. That just that 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 makes zero sense. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not like this was long ago and far away and a this time before we ago. realized that these sorts of things were possible. Like this was four freaking years ago.
3: Yeah, we're almost sixty years removed from the the Texas right. uh, Charles Whitman. Went up to the, the bell tower and shot yeah. 16 people. We're, we're 60 years away from that. Things should have changed by now. And, but. but in 2017, Grammy's family announced plans to create a foundation in her honor. The purpose is to support those affected by gun violence and or breast cancer. The foundation frequently hosts events in her honor to ensure that her death is not the end of her story. Later that month, an episode of 48 Hours titled Stalked aired focused on her murder. Which I, I kind of am sad I didn't find that. On the second anniversary of her murder, the city of Orlando paid tribute, as did the police force. That same month, a podcast titled Christina Grimmie, The Murder of a Rising Star, was released with separate episodes all focusing on the key components of her murder. So I, if that's still available, you guys could totally check that out. After the Jacksonville landing shootings occurred in August 2018, BBC News compared her murder with it. Along with all the other shootings that had occurred in Florida.
5: That was the video game one. Remember that? Yeah. The The
3: Jacksonville landing was the video game where like that was live streamed. Yep. You watched that murder on live stream. It was scary. It was terrifying. And those are gamers. Yep. Like, are you kidding me? Gamers. Jesus. So there was a lawsuit. In December 2016, six months after her murder, Grammy's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against several entities, including the concert promoter, the foundation that owns the venue, and the security company that was working the event. Good. In January 2017, the venues requested that the judge dismiss the lawsuit, claiming that Florida does not allow business owners to be held liable for attacks on their property. A hearing on the motion. To dismiss, the lawsuit was set for the 23rd. The lawsuit was dismissed, but the Grimmie family was given an opportunity to refile the suit, so it was done without prejudice. Uh, The judge stated that the suit did not make enough of a distinction between the concert promoter and the venue owner, which were two separate entities. Mm -hmm. In May 2017, the family attorney, Brian Chaplin, said that the Grimmie family would file a new complaint after a Florida judge dismissed the original lawsuit. On April 9th, 2018, just short of a year after the Grimmy family filed a new complaint in the Florida court, it was revealed that the judge rejected the defendant's AEG Live and the Orlando Philharmonic or- Orchestral Plaza Foundation's motion to dismiss the case and has allowed the family's lawsuit to move forward. In their lawsuit, they alleged that the defendants failed to take adequate security measures to ensure the safety of the performers and the attendees at the concert venue. Grimmy's family is also being allowed to move forward on the claims of negligent infliction of emotional distress the judge determined more research on the claims uh, were needed before going forward according to court records on December 3rd 2019 the Grimmie family voluntarily dismissed the case now I'm going to say this on September 2nd 2018 Grimmie's mother Tina died at the age of 59 after a courageous battle with breast cancer so she's back with with Christina and that's where I'm going to leave this story (sighs) wow yeah this is not an easy like none of these are easy, but this is one of the hardest ones I ever had. To yeah, do.
4: this is tough because this is she's a kid still, and then you know her mother who fought so bravely and beat cancer however many times. And yeah, this is this is that <laughs> these 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 shows never end well. We're not noted for, we're not noted for our, 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 our happy, upbeat endings here. This one was especially bad. I would agree with you.
5: And, and looking at just the pieces, you can't help but think of this could have been prevented. You know, again, I yeah. don't want to go into the politics. I don't want to go into, you know, this, the mincing of the lawsuit. But if you look at what's come up, it's just like
3: those basic things, had they been in place, we, she may still be alive. And this is also hard because she was 22, she was a baby. Yeah. She was literally, she's She's almost, li- she's literally half your age, T. Mm-hmm. And she's almost half my age. Yeah. Like I remember vaguely being 22 and just starting and she had so much in front of her and she was so incredibly talented. And I hate, hate, hate that, that this is what took her life. Negligence and people not being vigilant, you know, but at least uh, the one thing was that, marcus was there for her at the end and if it what if it hadn't been for marcus tackling him he might have gotten away
4: and he or might have killed who knows how many other people
3: yeah yeah so. yeah so i'll give out our social stuff we think that we're doing a great job you can uh, support us on patreon at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven find us on twitter at rock and roll lt our instagram is rock and roll heaven lt facebook is rock and roll heaven pod still not saying our website and you can email us at rock and roll at gmail.com please check out all the other awesome pantheon podcasts we are so proud to be in this network you can do that at www.pantheonpodcast.com or anywhere you find awesome podcasts and i did want to give a quick shout out for this episode because if it were not for suncoast digest which left a review on our iTunes page. We might not have gotten to this as as soon as we did. So we would like to thank Suncoast Digest for sending us that suggestion. This is part of our housekeeping uh, series, of course. So thank you so much for for this. And uh, with that, I'm just gonna leave you guys with a song that she had dedicated to her mother. Of course, it's a cover that was posted eight years ago on her YouTube channel with 19 million views. This is Christina Grimmy singing I Won't Give Up by Jason Mraz. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. I know this was a hard one. We really appreciate it. Check us out next week where we're going to be covering TJ2. What is it? Uh, uh,
4: David Cassidy.
3: Okay. Great. We'll be covering David Cassidy. So check us out then. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, everyone. See you again soon.
4: Goodbye, everybody.
3: So here is Christina Grimmie doing the cover of Jason Mraz's I Won't Give Up, which she had dedicated to her mother while on The Voice. But this is her cover that was on her channel.
0: Hey guys, I'm gonna be singing a Jason Mraz song called I Won't Give Up. And uh, I got a massive load of requests to sing this yesterday. Uh, So I listened to it and I love it. So I'm gonna do it. Uh, By the way, I'm sick. A little bit, so if I sound like this throughout the video, that's why. I hope you guys like it!
1: When I look into your eyes, it's like watching the night sky. Or beautiful beautiful sunrise. There's so much evil. Just like the most stars, see that you've come so.
0: So, oh, yeah, I would be like that. Yeah, just, just leave a bunch of requests in the comment section below, or on Facebook or Twitter. Stay tuned, I got videos every Thursday, uh, so leave you a know, comment on what cover you want me to do, um, and I want to start doing some of my original songs, uh, you know, so you guys can hear them acoustically. I think that'd be cool. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for watching, and um, yeah, see you guys! Bye.